0: Welcome to Dark Tales. I'm your host, Wendy Weiss. I'm going to keep this intro short because I had the opportunity this week to interview somebody with expertise relevant to the story that I'll be reading to you guys. So stick around after the story for my interview with local taxidermist Mel Duvall. This week's story is entitled The Bone Collector and is by Portland author Marla Bowie. Marla Bowie writes young adult fiction as well, and you you can find more about her at MarlaBowie.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-B-O-W-I-E dot C-O-M. If you're noticing that the sound quality is better this week than it was last week, good for you. You're correct. I'm recording right now from the inside of a blanket fort. And I have to say, it's really nice. It's really cozy. It's dark in here. So maybe grab yourself a blanket fort and settle in. Curl up, turn off the lights, and enjoy this week's Dark Tale. Mrs. stood over the hole she had just dug. A bead of sweat rolled down one cheek, wisps of hair plastered to the other. She smiled, feeling accomplished, even though it wasn't the biggest she'd ever hollowed out. Size didn't matter. Shape did. And depth. This one had to be exactly 12 inches by 24 inches, and deep enough to keep the smell in. Wouldn't want to attract scavengers. Not too deep, though, or I'll have a heck of a time trying to dig it back up. This one was perfect. Her slender fingers molded perfectly around the wooden shovel handle like it had been custom-made for her. Years of use bore the slight grooves of her fingers, the imprints glinting with a buffed shine, and she marveled that it had held strong and fast over time. Really, it was a part of her. She was always careful to clean it off and put it away, out of the disintegrating cruelty of the outdoors. She gazed at her backyard. It was dotted with stone fountains and terracotta planters, little statues of garden gnomes and whimsical concrete molds. Her smile widened. Only she could tell the backyard was a collection of graves, covered over by dirt and casually hidden under a garden-like movable object. Anyone sneaking a look back here would think she was a fanatical gardener. Truth was, she hated gardening. She pushed the wisp of hair back behind her ear, the scrape of a callus drifting gently against her leathered cheek. Gloves were so overrated. How could you feel anything with them on? Not just the silky, comforting hardness of the shovel handle, but the energy of Mother Earth that channeled up through it. Or the delightfully rough friction of burlap against the palms. The soft, velvety crumble of soil sifting between fingers. And best of all, the primal feel of returning the dead to the earth. She tamped the dark edge of the shovel against the sides of her perfect hole. She stepped back and admired her work. An ideal place to let flesh rot from bones. She sighed, and a familiar buzz raced down her old spine. She set her tools against the large cedar that grew a few feet away, the one where many of her squirrel specimens had come from. Squirrels love cedar trees. At the base of the gigantic trunk, a burlap bag, aged with rust-colored stains, lay bumpy and full. She heaved it up. The dead weight pulled it taut toward the ground, and her sinewy arms strained. She hoisted it up farther, pulling it up into her arms and held it as if it were a baby. She rocked it gently for a moment and whispered No one will miss you, not as much as I would miss making you a part of my family. Sleep for now, and I will see you again in a few months. Then she upended the bag. The lifeless object inside clung. Nails snagged on burlap, as if perhaps it didn't want to be buried. For a moment, she questioned if it was still alive. But no, of course not. It was simply caught on the fabric. She shook the bag. Then she shook it harder. Now, now, out with you. Plop. The bloody lump landed wetly, dead center in the hole. The majority of it covered in black fur, slicked back in some places, with white-tipped paws. One side sat exposed, glossy, red, a slice of muscle gone. There, that wasn't so bad, was it? Don't worry, time will fly by, my sweet little Felis Caddis, and then we will be together again. She gingerly knelt down. Clarissa closed her eyes for a moment. Inhaled deeply through her nose, sniffing the fleshy, raw scent of death, and began sifting dirt back over the hole as if she were putting sugar on cereal. Sprinkling it delicately with her fingers, savoring both the smell and the feel, being careful to put in just the right amount, she gave it a good pat. Straining with the effort, she rose to her feet. Clarissa scooped up the burlap bag. She eyed it and sighed. I must remember to wash this. The bloodstains look atrocious. Tools in one hand and burlap in the other, she walked the three-minute obstacle course across the yard to the shed. Clarissa shook the dirt off the shovel, wiped it clean with a rag, and then put it in the burlap bag in their places. She grabbed a small cement-cast statue of a frog and ambled back to the fresh, dark patch on the ground. She placed the frog on top. Clarissa stood back, taking a critical eye to it, then adjusted the frog a few inches. She smiled. It was good. The teapot whistled. Clarissa lifted it from the gas flames and poured hot water into a delicately floured bone china cup. The steam curled up and dissipated, carrying the fragrance of an especially high-quality Earl Grey into the air just like the fine teas her father used to bring back from India. She replaced the pot and clicked the burner off. Clarissa carried the cup over to the table, which was beautifully set with a matching set of china. She stood over the setting, inspecting it for the hundredth time. Her eyes narrowed. The fork was slightly off. With a bony, deeply creased finger, she pushed the end of it just a hair perfect. She walked over to the phonograph, set the needle on her favorite concerto, Bartok violin concerto number no. 2. Back at the table, she drew a chair out and settled herself into it, pulling the folded napkin out from under the silverware and setting it in her lap just so. She picked up the knife and was reaching for the fork when the phone rang. A barely audible gasp escaped her lips and she winced at the sound so sharp against the beautiful calm she was just enjoying. To be interrupted like this. She closed her eyes and held her breath for a moment, pushing down the feeling that she tried so hard to keep under control. This had better be important. Clarissa stood, still grasping the knife, and trundled down the hall to the pedestal where the phone sat. It was an old one, even by her standards that had a long, thin cord that plugged into the wall and a short, curled cord that attached the receiver to the handset. She didn't care for those newfangled ones that had no cords and tiny buttons. She'd probably lose it or drop it and break it. Why did things have to change, anyway? There was nothing wrong with these phones. With her free hand, she answered it. Hello? Yes, this is Mrs. Chambers. Hello, Rebecca. What a nice surprise. And how's my favorite neighbor? No, no, you're not interrupting a thing. I wasn't doing anything. Not a thing. Oh dear, I'm afraid not. I haven't seen Claude. He's the bigger cat, right? You have two? Oh yes, that's right. The one with the clipped tail and the cutest little sock markings on his paws. You should have named him Socks. Missing for two days now, you say? That's terrible. "'Well, of course, if I see him, I'll call you right away. "'Goodbye, dear. Call any time.' "'Clarissa set the handset back on the receiver. "'She stood in the foyer for a moment, "'suddenly feeling burdened, feeling faint. "'Her body sagged, and the walk back to the kitchen "'seemed suddenly far at the moment. "'How she hated it when the neighbors complained to her. "'What right did they have to disturb her "'when she was doing something important?' All their problems, their selfish need to trouble her with them. Don't let them get to you, she told herself. They're ignorant, know-nothings. She hasn't a clue about anything. That's what she gets for not paying attention to socks. He clearly didn't want to be with her anyway. The thought brightened Clarissa's mood. That's why she had so many pets. They wanted to be with her. They loved her. That's why they all came to her. She walked back to the kitchen, a bit more energy in her step. She again sat down to eat her lunch. Something was not right. The scent of the Earl Grey was long gone and the record was now silent. Clarissa poked the tip of her finger in the tea. Cold. The bowl of sliced apples, accented perfectly with a mint sprig. Brown. The meat on her plate, dry. She peered at it. A skin was forming on what had been a perfectly fresh, pink, glossy sheen of raw flesh. Her hand began to shake. That horrible bitch ruined my lunch. Clarissa slammed the knife down. It stuck through the meat and broke the plate underneath. Blood dribbled off one broken edge. She lurched to her feet and grabbed the teacup. Liquid sloshed onto the pristine tablecloth. Clarissa launched it across the kitchen and it shattered on the far wall over the sink, glass sprayed in all directions. She stood frozen for a moment before the realization hit her. Oh no, mother will be so angry, what have I done? Broken her finest set of china, she said aloud. The trembling started deep inside and spread out like the aftershocks of an earthquake. Her hand shook, her legs shook. She had to get out of there. Quickly, Clarissa headed down the hall as fast as her slippered old feet would take her. The trophy room. Mother wouldn't find her there. She turned a corner and made her way up the wide-set staircase, clinging to the highly polished cherrywood banister. Midway through, she stopped, glancing back down the steps. Stop it. Stop it right now. You know full well that Mother is gone. Clarissa put a hand up to her forehead, finger and thumb at her temple. She closed her eyes for a moment. (sighs) That's right. Mother died a long time ago. Her breathing steadied. Clarissa felt the panicked thump of her heart becoming quiet again. But still, now the set is incomplete. It's no good. Useless. I've ruined everything. She began her ascent again. She would still go to the trophy room. It was where she always went, from the time she was very little... It was the only place she could truly feel safe. She grasped the crystal doorknob of the first door on the left, in the hall at the top of the stairs. It turned, but when she gave it a push, it didn't budge. Clarissa started for a moment, confused, but then remembered. She pulled a string from around her neck. Tied to it was a key. She unlocked the door, slipped the string back around her neck, and let herself into the room. The odors of dry hides, old fur and formaldehyde hung heavy in the room. Old though they were, they still reminded her of Daddy, the mighty hunter. Always off on an adventure, always in search of the ultimate prey, hunting bigger and better animals. She'd always wanted to go with him, be just like him, but girls didn't do such things. They kept house. They sat primly with their hands in their lap and behaved. And so she stayed home with Mother. If only he'd known what kind of rabid animal he left poor little Clarissa with. The thought clouded in her mind. It had once been clear and sharp. Age had faded most of it, but not all of it. Sometimes it came back so frighteningly real that the scars on her back throbbed. Sometimes she felt Mother standing just around the corner. A shiver snaked its way through her old body, creaking her spine and popping her joints. Father gave her the key only so she could look at the trophies. Don't tell mother, he said to her, handing her the glittering piece of metal. Mother didn't approve of little girls looking at dead animals. It was barbaric. But father pshawed her. What she doesn't know won't hurt her. Keep the key hidden and never get caught. He said with a tone that told her she must never disobey this one thing. She hugged him, burying her cheek in his bushy beard. He never knew that he'd saved her so many times. The room was dark. She drew back the heavy curtains, just flying out, spinning motes in the sunshine that flooded in. Clarissa spun around, taking it all in. It was a sight to behold animal heads mounted everywhere, great maned lions, sharp tusked wild boar, grizzlies with mouths open in attack mode, rows of pointed teeth exposed, elephants with trunks curled upward, the very image of a trumpeting call of the wild, everything from a display of civets taxidermied as if in mid-stride to a great albino gorilla holding its furry black baby, It never occurred to Clarissa that some of them seemed perhaps out of place, maybe even illegal to hunt. All she knew was that she had the bravest father in the world. She only wished he wouldn't leave so much. Clarissa felt drowsy, her mind drifting in and out of the past, in and out of the present. One moment she was eight, and the next she was 80. Somehow the in-between years disappeared. Not one memory floated to the forefront of her mind of that time. But it didn't matter. She would have stayed eight forever if it meant she could see her daddy again. She went to the closet, using the same key to open it. Inside stood an old and majestic oak wardrobe. She pulled the doors apart, revealing skins. The pelt of squirrels, cats, and even dogs. A sharp stench hit her nose, but instead of cringing at it, she inhaled welcoming into her senses. She pulled open the drawers that sat on either side, bones like piles of gold coins. She let her fingers drift over them, feeling the silky smoothness. She snatched one up, feeling compelled to press it against her lips. She let her tongue touch it, lick it. Then she pushed it into her mouth and sucked on it. This was her trophy room. Perhaps not as impressive as her father's, but she had a lot less to work with. She had to take what she could get. Clarissa pulled the bone from her mouth and gazed at it. A tailbone, upper part. She tossed it back into the drawer and gently closed it. She shut the wardrobe and then the closet door, being sure to lock it. She turned her back to the splendor of her father's trophy room. It was indeed magnificent. She only wished hers could be the same. She would never be able to hunt lions or elephants. She would have to make do with cats and dogs. Clarissa sighed and made her way to the door. She clicked it shut behind her and went back down the stairs to the kitchen. The fog lifted from her mind and she looked at the mess she'd left. Something about it felt wicked and delightful. Knowing she did something that would have set her mother into an anger-fueled frenzy and knowing mother couldn't hurt her now. I could break every one of these dishes if I wanted to, but she didn't. She picked up the pieces of the broken plate, scraped meat into the garbage, shaking her head at the waste, swept up glass, restored the kitchen to its former state. At least she had an unearthing to look forward to, one of her only pleasures in life. She put Bartok back on, swaying to the sound of perfectly played violin. And maybe Miss Rebecca's other cat might wander into her yard. That wretched witch. Then, once again, the shrill of the phone pulled her from her thoughts. Feeling weary, she shuffled down the hall and put the receiver to her ear. Hello? Oh, hello, Rebecca. Have you found socks? I mean, Claude? No? Well, I told you before that I haven't seen him. I see. "'Well, how about if you come over for a cup of tea? "'Then you and I can go out and look for him together. "'Okay, then. I'll see you soon.' Clarissa hung up the phone. The thought hit her so suddenly she let out a cackle, then quickly put her hand over her mouth. Such a sound should never come out of a lady's mouth. It sounded like madness. But she had to admit it was brilliant Such a simple thought. A perfect idea. Why she'd never thought of it before, she didn't know. She walked back to the kitchen, to a drawer next to the refrigerator, and pulled it open. A single item lay in it. Clarissa wrapped her fingers around the handle of a large hammer and pulled it from the drawer. She went to the living room and stood by the front door. A smile spread across her face. Revealing ill-fitting dentures. This must have been the way Daddy felt. Waiting for the lions to walk into his trap. Oh, Daddy, now I will get my trophy, too. Only mine will be better than any of yours. And you will be so proud of me. Clarissa closed her eyes and waited. Waited for a knock on the door while Bartok played softly in the background. Hey guys, this is Dark Tales with Wendy Weiss, and I am here with our guest today, Mel Duvall.
1: Hello. Hi
0: Mel, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very good. I wanted to talk to you about taxidermy. I know, I knew, I don't know the extent of what you do. Um, I just knew, I don't even know how I knew this actually, because I don't know, I don't think you told me. Maybe you just give off that vibe. Maybe. Maybe. I get that a lot. <laughs> that taxidermy vibe. <laughs> you kind of do, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When how, how long have you been doing taxidermy for? Oh, man. Um, so I've been doing it myself only for about six months. The actual art of taxidermy itself. But I've been doing wet specimen preservation and skeletal articulation for a few years now. Wow, that sounds gross. Elaborate, please. It's fantastic. What's wet specimen? <laughs> <laughs> you know those, like... Creepy-ass jars that oh. people think are full of formaldehyde that yes. have dead animals in them. Yeah. Um, formaldehyde is no longer used as the preservative that they're in. Um, they're actually now preserved in 70% isopropyl alcohol, which you can just get at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. And then they're injected with formalin, which is a, a formaldehyde mix. And then preserved in thirty percent isopropyl for about two to three months, depending on size, and then moved over to seventy percent. So it's a really easy process, um, and anyone can do it as long as you have the materials, which is That's
0: cool. Great
1: to know. Yeah, That's it's really good. Yep. So I've been <laughs> doing that for a while, um, and you can do it to anything.
0: That reminds me, I totally forgot about this. When I was uh, when I was like sixteen or seventeen, I was walking down the street, and I. Found an iguana, like, just hanging out on the sidewalk. It was alive, but it was in really bad shape. Mm -hmm. I took him home. He ended up dying, and my boyfriend at the time uh, did exactly that. He, like, preserved his head in a jar. And he did a really good job because I had it for shit. I had it until, I think, like, two or three years ago. Um, It kept really well. I got rid of it because I felt that the top was kind of leaking some of the liquid, and I was like, oh, this is... I don't want to keep this.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, alcohol is super sanitary, Mm -hmm. so even if a little bit of it leaks out, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and when it evaporates, you can just put more 70% alcohol in there. But yeah, with smaller animals, with heads, things like that, you might not even necessarily need to inject them with anything just because they're so small. So you could just pop it in 70%. Like if you, if you find a, like a little tree frog that died, you could just... Throw it in a jar that's with cute. rubbing Like alcohol. a baby
0: food jar. Yeah,
1: that's, exactly. That's yes. really cute, actually. I yeah. want one of those. <laughs> I, I do that if you ever want anything. I ethically source all of my animals. Okay, yeah. So. so
0: how do you do that? How do you ethically source
1: that? Um, I do a lot of stuff for people's pets mm-hmm. or, you know, if they go to Savi Island and find a crazy-ass dead fish in the water, and they're like, I want this fish <laughs> in a jar. <laughs> then they, I tell them to throw it in their freezer, and I come pick it up, and then find a jar, grab some alcohol, grab a syringe. The process is done pretty quickly. To yeah, just go to town on <laughs> it. And so, yeah, and skeletal articulation is a little more little more tedious. That sounds
0: complex. You, um, it is. You, I mean, so you have to know sort of about like skeletal anatomy. Basically. Yes. That's
1: cool. Yeah. It's a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle, but creepy. That's cool. And it's really fun. I love that. Yeah. So I do pet processing for people with okay. that. So if their cat passes away and they want the bones, but they don't know what to do with it, um, I'll swoop in I'll throw (laughs) like a vulture. (laughs) Yes. I'll throw their cat in my freezer for until special
0: freezer or do you just put this with your hot pockets or like what you put in your freezer, don't you? I put it in my Yeah, (laughs) they they stay right
1: next to my pizza rolls. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I mean I don't keep much in my freezer besides dead animals, so it's fine. Nice. But don't tell my apartment complex. I will cause. never tell it <laughs> to anybody except for everyone who's listening yes. right now. <laughs> please, please all do not call my apartment them. complex.
0: Um, yeah, how do you get the how do you get the bones out of the rest <clears throat> of the animal?
1: I skin the animals myself. Ah Okay, yeah. cool. Um, which I also do for taxidermy. I skin the animals myself and remove all of the innards and I recycle. The innards. So with birds, for example, I'll save all of the insides and I'll donate them to a bird sanctuary to the Audubon Society. Wow, what do they do with those? Feed them to the birds. Feed them to the birds. Okay? Yes. I gotcha. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I'll just throw them out in the garden, and other animals will come scavenge yes. for them. Um, but yeah, it's um, I thought that it would be a lot more grotesque than it actually is. I have a hard time with blood and injuries. And I'm one of those people where if you describe to me how you broke your ankle when you're six, I I will vomit. Um, but those are people. Yeah. I don't think it's so much the, the people versus animal thing that makes the difference. I think it's, um, death. Like it's post-mortem that I'm okay with. Like I'm fine with autopsies. I'm fine with, it's just like live wounds. I'm not good with. But um, the very first time I skinned an animal, it was a rat, and I was shocked at how composed I was. Um. <laughs> Medical, maybe. Yeah, it was uh, It was interesting and just. Was it something? Was it your rat? Did you just like get a wild hair up your ass to be like, I wonder what's inside this guy? I, like, no. This <laughs> <laughs> I worked at an oddities shop hmm. for a while. Okay. And um, they wanted to teach a taxidermy class. So they brought in a third party, actually, to organize this class. And I was the staff member that got to be, like, overseeing the class with this third-party instructor. And um, it was about a week-long class, a, a different group of people each night. So I watched it. You were there every single time. I was there for every time. And um, I ended up doing three rats throughout that week and um, really enjoyed it. And I, I went home and I replicated what I had learned in the class, and I brought some friends over, and I showed them how to do it. <laughs> were they like, cool now, what the fuck? <laughs> well, luckily most of my friends are just as weird as I am, so I was like, hey, do you want to skin rats and stuff them with cotton? And they were like, absolutely. Oh, you told them. Yeah. Was
0: like, it was not like <laughs> a surprise. <laughs> You're all, you've all been specially chosen.
1: <laughs> no, I did inform them beforehand, mm. but Good. Yeah. um Okay,
0: so have you ever had somebody bring something to you where you were like absolutely not. No, I'm not going to do this.
1: Um Oh man. I don't think anyone has brought me anything where I'm like, "Oh no, I I could not do this." But I have been asked about whether or not I'll do my cats. Mhm. And I don't I don't think I could. I wish I would have known about this
0: when I mean, I've had three cats that have died, and I really wish I would have known about that, because I would have liked to do something like that. It's very, it's relatively expensive to get your cat cremated, you know, and you don't, and it's even more expensive if you want to keep any of it, and chances are it's not even your cat, I imagine, you know, there's a chance that it's not even your cat, but, so you're not going to do your own kitties?
1: You know, I might. That would be hard. It would be be tough. I feel like, um... It's a lot easier to do animals you don't have an emotional right, attachment to. that you didn't see alive in the first place. Well, I mean, I've done friends' pets, mm-hmm. and that's been, it's been tough, but it's been, like, really intimate articulating their skeleton, but I just don't know how I, I have friends that also do these things, so I might pass them off to them to do
0: You're it. in, like, a community of taxidermists, basically? Is that, yes. That's cool. I yeah. like that. Do you guys have, like, get-togethers meetings, or they're, like, you know, compare and contrast? you share tips? Probably Um, share tips.
1: We do share tips. We share a little, you know, hey, I figured out a really easy way to turn this rat into a handbag. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Is there a way to do that? There's gotta be. I think I've seen that. Oh yeah,
1: but I mean, well, when you're, when you're taking the innards out of a rat, there's the step called the handbag step where you literally pull the insides out of the skin and it makes... A little, a little, a little handbag. A little handbag. <laughs> and so, you know, tips about, like, the easiest way to get to that step, and the easiest way to dig through the membranes. And so, yeah, we share tips. Are there any, like, rock stars or, like, Barry Manilow's
0: or, like, Isaac Newton's of the taxidermy world that everyone is just like, that's the father of all knowledge?
1: You know, yes, but not conventional knowledge. Okay. There's, um... Like, the, the Barry Manilow of artistic taxidermy. Oh, okay. You know, people that do really weird shit mm-hmm. to animals. Um, and some of it is, like, really cool. They'll turn the antlers into sculptures and do, like, very artistic things to them. And then there are people that do very horrifying things to animals. There is an artist, I think out of Russia, that does balloon animals. Oh, okay. And that is exactly what it sounds like. My favorite is the balloon horse, which I can pull up a photo of (laughs) if you want to see it. That's the way. Let's look
0: up the balloon horse. Maybe we can put a picture of the balloon horse.
1: Is it huge? Is it horse size? Oh, it's a horse that's composed of multiple other horses to look inflated. Oh my
0: god. So it's not just horse size. It's multi-horse. Oh, it's a giant.
1: Yeah, it (laughs) is a balloon horse. Could you live inside of it? Yes. Wow. That's not impressive. like comfortably, but it's like right. the size of a small no studio what apartment. Size in Portland. It,
0: you would not live inside of a horse comfortably. It doesn't matter about the size.
1: <laughs> that is a good point, Wendy.
0: <laughs> oh, is there, there's like a black market for illegal taxidermy, right? Do you run oh, into absolutely. any of that stuff very often? Yes, for, all the oh, time. you do? Is it kind of like, ooh, it's cool I got to see this, but it sucks
1: that this went on? So, when I worked at this oddity shop, we had people call us all the time and say, hey, I found this hummingbird in my backyard. And I want to do something with it. Like, can you give me me any advice? And we had to tell them, no, do not touch it. Like, you are not allowed to touch that hummingbird. Leave it in your backyard. And we can't even say, like, whatever you're going to do, fine, but don't tell us. Like, we had to tell them, I can't tell you anything but not to touch this. Birds in general in the U.S., migratory bird laws protect all native species of bird. So it's a felony to collect them to do anything with them because they're very heavily protected. So things like taxidermied crows are impossible to find unless you know someone who has one. Oh, wow. Because there can't be any listings online. It's illegal to buy and sell them. Same with you know certain bears, um, certain species of zebra. Any protected animal, you cannot have taxidermied. So there's definitely a black market for things like that.
0: That's weird, because I feel like I've seen taxidermy crows. I feel like that would be, like, a really common...
1: Oh, it's... maybe it wasn't It's once. commonly done. Oh, okay. But it's very illegal. Wow. In fact, um, a little anecdote. I went down to visit my dad, who, um, he lives in Los Angeles, and Halloween is his thing. That's his holiday. He has an entire shed that he built in his giant backyard to house all of his Halloween decorations. He has one of the original animatronic pirates from Pirates of the Caribbean, he goes all out. And he was telling me when I was down there that he met this dude who was going through a divorce, and he bought three truck beds full of Halloween decorations for $500. And I was like, that's so sick. Like, what'd you get? And he was telling me about that pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean. And he was like, I also, yeah, I got this taxidermied crow. And I was like, excuse me, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> uh i want to see it and he's like no it's buried it's buried in the shed i can't get, get it out, out yeah. and i was like i want it like that's i want it yeah i want that crow and he was like no it, it perches it perches on my guy i can't give him to you and i was like dad you don't understand those are impossible to find unless you know someone who has one they're illegal it's a felony that you own it I want it. I want one so bad now. (laughs) I was like, Dad, that crow costs more than you bought that entire lot of Halloween decorations for. And I kept telling him, I was like, Dad, fucking give me that crow. I will buy it off of you. And he kept saying, no, it perches. It perches. I'm like, Dad, I will buy you a plastic fucking bird that sits the same way. I need that crow. So I was hoping that I would get it for Christmas this year. I did not. But soon. I'm not giving up. You're going to have to wait till he die. I hope not. That's so sad. I thought that story was going to no. end with you getting the crow. I, I have not gotten the crow, but I know where it is, and I, <sighs> I'm not stopping until I get it. Tell me when you do get it. I, I will. Now I want to get one, too. I feel like I've seen one, but now I
0: can't think of a place where I have seen one. There's a taxidermy shop on Foster mm-hmm. or everything. Artistic taxidermy. Artistic taxidermy. Yeah. Do you go in there? Do you
1: know them? Um, I know some people who work there. They do really good repair jobs yeah. for the oddity shop that I used to work for. So, so stuffing someone's pet. I won't, I won't do that. I won't taxidermy people's pets because it's so difficult to get their facial expression just right. Right, not make it
0: look warped and weird. Yeah,
1: I mean, even if you make it look like a cat, like, cats have really specific, like, facial expressions, and so when people want their pet's taxidermy, they want to preserve their pet's personality, like, that's the thing, and that's really difficult to do. It's, it's tough. And a lot of taxidermists that do, you know, that take commissions won't do people's pets Mm -hmm. just because if you fuck that up, you, like, really fuck that up. Yeah. And in more ways than one, like, that's going to be a little traumatic for the person that gets it because now they just have, like, a carcass that doesn't resemble their pet and the pet that they knew. So most people that do pets do skeletal Mm. articulation and bone processing. And so I've done that for people. Uh, I tried to look up and see if there were
0: any... I'm really surprised that there weren't more of these. I wanted to see if there were any, like, murderers that were known for doing taxidermy at all. Or, like, if that was something that they practiced. And I did not find any. Well, I found a couple of people who were, like, into taxidermy, like, when they were younger just a little bit. But it wasn't really a thing for them. But do you know of anybody who graduated onto People? Um, from animals. I mean, taxidermy. I don't, I don't not...
1: think you can taxidermy people. You cannot taxidermy. And well, I mean, sure, I'm sure but you, you can't murder
0: them either. So <laughs> <laughs> that's frowned
1: I don't mean legality. wise <laughs> I mean, if there's a way to, oh. we have not figured it out. Oh. So basically, small mammal taxidermy is very accessible because it's pretty easy to do. You don't need to tan the hide. That's why working on rats, working on, you know, chicks, working on really small mammals, all you need is borax and salt to dry out the skin, and it'll set for about 7 to 10 days, and it'll be fine. With larger animals, you have to tan the hide. Mm. You have to lay it out. You can do, like, there are a hundred different ways to tan a hide. It takes kind of a long time. It's a process to dry out the skin, and then... Um, like a- to tan a hide. <laughs> so. There are actually books, "How to Tan Your Hide," I and bet I own one are. of them. Well, they're um, like okay, that actually makes a lot of sense because there was
0: there's Ed Dean, of course, who like made a lot of like lampshades. Yeah, stuff and like
1: that. so that's the thing. You can tan. I'm sure you can tan human skin and mm-hmm. stretch it over things, but you know, larger larger animal taxidermy, a mold is built, like a sculpture of a of an elk head, for example, and then the hide that's been tanned is stretched over that mold. So that's how you get these wall mounts. It's just skin, glass eyes, and then a mount on the inside that someone has built, or, you know, a pre-existing mold, or a lot of times there are sculptures that people... It's it's a process. You have to have one of those for basically each animal that you end up tending. Exactly. Okay. So it's, it's a, a lot less accessible mm-hmm. for people to do large animal taxidermy. It takes a really long time. And tanning the hide is a big part of it. So to taxidermy a human would be incredibly difficult because there are so many, so many extremities that would need to be tanned. And if you were planning on stretching it over a mold, you would have to have an exact mold, exactly their height, the exact length of each of their toes. You would have to Make sure that the skin didn't tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be really difficult to do. It's it, like an impossible really feat. puts that horse balloon into perspective. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it looks like paper mache. I kind of want you to find a photo of it yeah, just so you can it see really it. Yeah, look at that really quick.
0: I want to see horse balloon. Holy shit! Oh, that's the one.
1: Oh, disgusting. Yeah, so he balloons a lot of animals. This is the one that I'm that's that I'm talking view. about. This one's yellow and festive, and it, the face. Looks like it's just a horse going neigh. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Why really? Is it yellow. Um, so he just wanted it that way. He yeah. He dyed it. He is an artist, of sorts. Well, so you art. can see just how many animals it Look, took to build goal. that. Yeah, yeah, he does it to a lot of animals. In a
0: way, it's kind of cute because it's it kind of looks like a cartoon <laughs> of a horse who just ate too much. You know, he's just like yeah. a big round guy. Probably the same guy, two-headed sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yang. Is that his name? Yeah. What the hell is this? This is just a pile of
1: That poor is skin. a Yeah, that is a hide. Um,
0: there was a like in the sixties or seventies, her name was Kathleen something, I can't remember her last name, but real mean lady. And she she's really famous, but she only, as far as everybody knows, on record, murdered one person and oh, it was only. her husband. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she only murdered one. She probably killed other people. She was a very violent woman. But on record, she killed her husband and skinned him. Oh, she worked as a butcher for most of her life. Mm. She was, like, really good at it. She was, like, known for being really good at skinning things. So she skinned her husband, and she did a really impressive job at It came Mm. off in one piece. She hung it up and cooked his organs, I believe, and set it up very prettily for his children to eat, which I think, yeah... Uh, wow. Yeah, and then there I mean, are a she, lot of
1: levels of horror. So many
0: that. levels. She was a really fucked up woman. That's, I think, the closest thing to any kind of like taxidermy. She didn't tan him, she just did a really good job skinning him, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could just, you could, in theory, skin a person and flay their flesh out and pour borax all over it and let it sit sure. for a while and then you'll have a tanned human skin. Mm. But like, then what? at that point, right. you know, that's why it's easier to do lampshades and, right. you know, make What's a, the use make a that? mask what out of your f- skin, <laughs> but, you know, building a mold you, for it. You and, gotta think of utility and practicality. Yeah, it just, it would be so difficult, mm-hmm. and I don't think there are many people who are like, okay, I gotta practice this. Right,
0: that, and you know? especially considering that's something that is somewhat illegal. Yeah, uh, somewhat. You, that's very, like, an involved thing to try to do for something that nobody
1: can fucking know about. Exactly. You know? It's not... And there's no way to to practice it without mm-hmm. killing someone. Right, right. And you would have so to practice not even the on final a lot one. of people. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that we'll ever see a day where a human was properly taxidermied. I don't How pissed think...
0: would you be if you were the first person murdered, like the first practice person, and you I'd just be ended thrilled. up as some shitty, like, not even oh, well
1: done? <laughs> I would be thrilled. <laughs> I would love that. If I if anyone ever murders me and they don't try to taxidermy me, I would be disappointed.
0: I wonder if is it legal like can you tell people like hey, in writing this is what I want done with my body. This is the person who has signed and agreed to it.
1: Can I do this? Oh man anyone has ever asked that question before i don't know if anyone (laughs) has not that's gotta not be the first time well i mean i don't know if anyone has ever said like i i don't think there's ever been a situation where a person's family has been sitting down with a lawyer reading a will after they die and read the words i want my body taxidermied i don't know if that's legal where can people get a hold of you if they want um through instagram has been my my primary method of advertising and my primary method of contact but I I will be opening up an online shop um I don't have anything set at the moment so I can't really talk about the name of that or where it's going to be yet but my Instagram is Riley Sue R-Y-L-E-Y-S-U-E and I can be contacted through
0: through your Instagram about this do you do like ever (coughs) insects? oh yeah scorpions yep yeah I do bug
1: pinning um that's um yeah, I didn't even think to talk about that. I've, I've been doing that the longest. Cool. That's really easy. I could teach anyone how to do that in minutes.
0: What's, like, the process for it?
1: Super simple. Um, it depends on the bug itself. Um, butterflies are really easy. So basically, all insects are naturally self-preserving. They yeah. have hard exoskeletons for the most part. So as long as mites don't get to them, they'll self-preserve. So you can find a dead bug, and it'll have dried out, and it'll be a little stiff. And you can rehydrate it, put it in like a little steam Tupperware, hot water and humidity and loosen it up again. And at that point, you can use pins and move its limbs into the place you want it to be. So you can spread the wings to whatever, you know, length open you want or closed you want. Mantises, you can adjust their limbs to be doing whatever you want. Scorpions, you can bend the tail up and stuff the abdomen. Tarantulas... You can do it to any bug. So you rehydrate, position the limbs, pin them in place, and then you let them dry. And then they'll just stay in that position. And you can frame them. and. Cool. Do you want to talk about your podcast at all? Or just call oh. is that something? We don't, um... Yeah, um, uh, we don't have a launch date yet. We're still working that out. We're focused on getting a website up and running and securing a domain and getting the coding in order to host it. But when I do have a launch date, I'll announce it on Pleaser Problems. That's where I'm doing a lot of the submissions that I'm getting for it. Pleaser Problems, that's right. So Mel has a meme page that is
0: hilarious. I look at it every day. (laughs) Pleaser Problems, it's stripper memes. So what's the name of your podcast? Hey You Up. Hey You Up. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So yeah, what is the podcast about?
1: It is a podcast um, where we read, dissect, and rate Thirst tweets and thirst messages that have been sent to sex workers, and we'll probably open it up beyond sex workers at some point. But right now, we're really focused on, <clears throat> on um, the messages that people who are very um, publicly sexually liberated receive in their DMs on a regular basis. And there are some truly horrific things that we have read, and we so we read them and then we laugh about them and berate these people a little bit and then we rate them in terms of their online usage like how well it would work via dm and also if someone were to walk up to you in a bar and say this to you we rate its real life applicability as well and create these scenarios where these things could be said and possibly be plausible and uh, it's just really, really oh, that's funny. That's nice. So you create like any
0: scenario where maybe that actually could have worked yeah. on someone. Yeah, and it's, it usually
1: does not. We usually can't come up with a scenario where Lark and I want to see your poops <laughs> will we'll be um, a winner. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, I'm trying to think of a scenario where...
0: No, actually, there's a lot of scenarios where Let's Rub Feet would work. That's actually a relatively yeah. innocuous one. That's only yeah. sweet. So
1: it's like, that on a scale of 1 to 5, that would be like a 3 yeah. in terms of real-life yeah. real life applicability. Depending on where you are, you know, we try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but sometimes they make it really difficult.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds really... I'm really looking forward to that. I'm excited. That sounds yeah. hilarious. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Um, so yeah, watch for that. Hit Mel up on Instagram, Riley Sue. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: Mel also dances at Devil's Point. Uh, I do you have a
0: regular schedule?
1: I do. I work every Thursday and Saturday night and about every other Sunday for stripperoki. Okay, do you have any other clubs that you work at? Nope, just you- Devil's Point. DJ regularly. Yeah, um, Axel and I. Yeah, DJ I saw emo night. <laughs> Every emo night. Every emo night oh, from God. this point forward. Yeah, where it's um, you're like a parody. I taxidermy. I <laughs> DJ emo night. What's funny is all of my hobbies I never planned on doing. I fell into them completely by accident. Like never in my life did I ever think I would want to DJ anything, and here I am playing A Day to Remember once a month at Holocene. I don't know why. I don't know how, but here I am. When is emo night at Holocene? Um, So in the past, it's been um, a traveling event throughout cities. So there's no set date. You know, when it comes to Portland, we have a date for it. We did the night before Halloween and we did a few days before Christmas. But after January 1st, it's going to start being a monthly night. I'm not sure of the dates okay. yet, but every month at Holocene there will be an emo night. I'm sure that will
0: be easy to find once it's
1: Oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for telling me about the horse balloon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I hope it sticks with you forever. It will haunt me. Uh,
0: thank you, Mel, very much for being on. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank and, you for having um, me. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and that is all. Goodbye.